It's time to hit the ice. Here's your NHL outsiders, Tim Biglow and Warren Smith, with the latest on the NHL's Western Conference Hockey Podcast. The puck drops now. Welcome to Sharpshooters. Welcome to Sharpshooters. Again this week, I'm Tim Bigelow, and soon I'll be joined by Warren Smith. While recording the pod, realize that the amount of time spent on talking about the St. Louis Blues and the firing of head coach Craig Berube, among other stories, it would be just as easy to make St. Louis a standalone podcast and then put the rest of the podcast separate from the St. Louis section. So what follows is where we pick up with sharpshooters and our discussion with St. Louis. Due to this, it is likely tomorrow when the rest of this week's episode that normally drops on Saturday will drop. Now we bring you hometown fans, Boo Kairou, Baruby's championship banner, and turning to interim coach Drew Bannister. You ever get booed while on stage doing a, a doing a show? <laughs> no, but I've gotten crickets before. And oh, yeah. I did the very punk rock fuck you thing, and I just went up to them and flipped them the bird. Because <laughs> I went my <laughs> band. Uh, we had played a huge show the night before and partied hard, and I had blown out my throat badly, and the boys were so tired. And we went to play this like kind of garbage battle of bands thing the next night because we'd already signed up for it. And it was kind of like, it was a shitty show. It was at some brutal bar. And uh, the vibe was just not rock and roll at all. It was like some sort of like dance bar floor just above it. And then there's people just sitting in fu- at fucking table. So I was not feeling it. And then that's before we even got on stage. And then they just like weren't really paying attention. And we kind of said, we'll like kind of play the show. You know, like we knew we were all fucking hurting. We're like, let's, uh, we can take it a little bit easy. Not like we normally would do that, but like we're feeling like it's not the end of the world. We can kind of like play this a little bit more chill, not as not as intense as we normally do because my voice is fucked and they were all cash, like I said. So then uh, the song we were going to do, I believe, was I think it was maybe Polly, I think, or about a girl. I don't know. It was a Nirvana cover. Okay. Yeah. Then <laughs> at the end of the song, I like changed the lyrics and just at the very end said, uh, fuck you and went up to the table because they were giving us the golf claps between our other songs, like kind of like almost like mocking, but not, but they just weren't paying attention. And the fucking craziest thing happened. I always I have told people the story before is like after we did that, like the entire crowd, including the people I just flipped off, started cheering and shit. And then they got into the show. But, <laughs> yeah, I had a thing. I had a problem. Call them out, right? I did. Right. <laughs> it's in enough. my nature, yeah. you know. Like... So what's worse, crickets or booing? Because I think a reaction to booing is actually shows that you care, right? Crickets is indifference. I think in the sporting environment, booing you can take a lot of the times as a compliment. It means you're an impact player, right? No. Um, but uh as far as like <laughs> playing shows like musically, like no, it's just that's the worst thing that can happen to somebody fucking trying to tell you that you're shit crickets they're indifferent yeah i don't know it pissed me off just as much though i think it depends on the person well yeah we have a trade that actually because it was so low key warren technically it happened the afternoon before we recorded last week 
But by the time anybody reported on it, <laughs> we had already recorded. We have a head coach firing. And then we also had an awkward demotion by St. Louis, all in this time span of this week as they move along and are a perfect 500 team at this point of the season. And I guess they are in the mix for the wild card. Part of the storyline on this, and let's maybe talk about, first off, the trade. Veteran defenseman Robert Portuzo. Yes, you can call him Bobby if you want, Warren. 35. He is a member of the Blue Stanley Cup 2019 team that was traded to the New York Islanders for a seventh round pick. Here's a little nugget for you. Bertuzzo was one of 16 players in Blues history to have spent at least 10 seasons with the team. So he'd been there for a while, but he didn't originally start his career in St. Louis. One of seven players that was still with the Blues from the Cup win. That leaves six, although there's asterisks all over this. As we were talking about, Warren, before I got on the record with the show here, Jordan Bennington, Colton Pareko, Braden Shen, Robert Thomas, with the traded away but returned now to St. Louis, Oscar Sundquist, and Sammy Blay equally. As well, Jordan Cairo, who we're going to have more talk about, and that's why I'm talking about booing off the top of the show if you haven't figured that out yet oh um, yeah you, you've been that, under that, a rock <laughs> that reminded me there you just re, you remind me of what i was gonna say i like lost my thought well, hold, hold the Cairo thoughts for now no this not whole, Cairo. it's related yeah. to the situation though so yeah. like maybe he'll have this he'll have this response back to the crowd i love it if he kind of did something to kind of like a little bit stick it back to the crowd a little bit I mean, he's there for so long. He's supposed to be one of their prime players. I'm surprised they, they handled things the way they did, to be honest. But uh, I went I went back to the boys in the band. We had like a little huddle after the song when they were giving us the, the golf claps kind of thing. And I just said, I'm like, okay, boys, forget everything we said before the show. Play this as heavy and fast as we can. And that's when it went from like being a chill show. And then at the end, I was like screaming and yelling, fuck you, right? It's like it was that little conversation we had. Like, we're not going to take this sitting down, you know? who cares we bring on the bring on the booze kind of situation so we'll see how Kyra reacts you know going forward with with the fans and with 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 the media whatever if they keep bugging him about the situation i don't know it's just interesting like how will you respond now because his, his initial reaction was getting super upset but anyways continue yeah absolutely and he was upset he wears his heart on his sleeve we'll get back to jordan Cairo. it is to say he appeared in 16 regular season games played the year st louis won and I believe because he's one of the, what they call black aces of that year's group, he actually is part of the cup winner, yet he never played an actual game in that playoff run. Also, returned to the team via free agency this year, Mackenzie McEckern would have been another black ace on that cup winner team. He played 29 regular season games. But again, Cairo. And McEcker never appeared in a playoff game during that St. Louis 2019 Cup run. So that's important to know. Now, the losses were four in a row for St. Louis. But remember when we were going and finishing off, St. Louis had lost their game that night on Friday that we actually put in the podcast. And it was a 5-2 road loss in Columbus. And we were like, that shouldn't happen. Well, you know who else thought that shouldn't happen was GM Doug Armstrong in St. Louis. 
That was followed with St. Louis on a back-to-back, but they were playing in Chicago, who is bringing up the basement in the Western Conference. They still found a way to lose 3-1 to one to Chicago. Then they proceeded to have a very, I don't know, I guess what, well, I always call them beauty league games, where, you know, defense isn't a requirement. They had a 6-4 home loss to Detroit. Detroit was on a back-to-back that night and ended up winning and was missing a lot of players either to injury or suspension, like David Perron didn't play. He's in the press box because of something he did, Um, which, again, Eastern Conference team, we're not going to delve into that. The course of the losses and who the losses were to is how after the game in Detroit, the coach and the GM went out for a beer and Doug Armstrong said we got to change things now, right? (laughs) Fired Craig Berube. It's a tough guy to fire, eh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We talked about him before, being tough as nails. Oh, you know what, though? Like, I don't know whether Chris Thorburn would have been there because he's down in Springfield, by the way. Thorbs is on the uh, St. Louis staff now that he's retired. I was just looking for other guys that might have been there for, you know, muscle when Doug Armstrong went and did this. But Chief, and that's the nickname for Craig Berube, um, because he does have uh, Native American heritage as well. So that's how he ends up with that nickname from his playing days. St. Louis fans would know that. And he was the St. Louis bench boss since November 2018. That year, of course, he had that turnaround you know, from the bottom to the very top and guided St. Louis to their only franchise Stanley Cup in 2018-19. Regular season coach record, 206 wins, 132 losses, 44 overtime shootout loser points, right? And that's regular season. However, since the Stanley Cup run, St. Louis has won one playoff round versus Minnesota in 2022. That's the only playoff series win they've had with Craig Berube as coach since Berube would have started with the uh, AHL team with St. Louis then was an assistant in St. Louis then got the head job nod and Warren being the only coach to have delivered a Stanley Cup to St. Louis what would be the word for it let's just say that he's a really popular guy amongst the fan base and the media in St. Louis. It's a tough sell as to whether or not, and again, like I said, we'll talk about Jordan Cairo or his performance and what he's getting paid this year, of course, reflects that too, right? If he's getting paid $2 million or still on this entry-level contract, he's not a lightning rod like he is when he's tied with Robert Thomas as the guy that's getting paid most on this roster, right? Because they have, they signed matching 8.125 AAV deals extensions last year that started this year. Cairo and Thomas are who St. Louis is building around. Thomas this year having a great year. Cairo hasn't. And that's facts, right? Don't care about your feelings, as you always say. Yeah. And you got to put it on somebody, right? And uh, I mean, most people will be probably the fans are a little you know, choked and wondering where the fuck uh, Kyra's offense is. It's like, how are you going to blame the guy that won, that won us the cup? You know, you get a lot, you longer leash, a bigger, um, 
yeah, just more room to make mistakes as a coach once you've already won one, right? Like I, that makes me think back to Cito Gasson with the Toronto Blue Jays. His first time around, he won two World Series, the only World Series in the history of the Blue Jays franchise. Then comes back, maybe I think it was about a decade later when they were having troubles and his team was not nearly as talented. He got brought back and everybody's expecting Cito Gaston to be the savior. And shockingly enough, you actually need good players to win games. So, uh, but, yeah, like nobody, no, but nobody was asking Cito Gaston to ask him for his head to get fired. Regardless, they didn't put it on him. Right. Yeah. Because of the fact, like you said, they have that mad love for him from what he did in the past, you know? So, Eventually, they made a change, but uh, I can't remember how it went down. If he chose to leave, or or if they did give him the boot, to be honest. But yeah, like there's no way uh, the fans would put it on him. So because, like you said, he he was beloved, just like uh, Barube, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of it, and that's where, like we said, the boos for Cairo are related to his. I want to use the word non-committal when asked about his former coach going forward but we'll talk about that in a second i do want to park some time with robert bertuzzo and here's a guy that's at best you know your seventh injury replacement guy so he wasn't playing a ton of games but i'll tell you what in the time around the time that st louis won their cup and even you know the couple seasons after there's a guy that was a really heavy hitter defensively sound guy that doesn't get a lot of credit and if there was a guy on st louis on the ice because craig berube i don't think anybody wants to fight either but of that roster over the last while robert bertuzzo is the one guy on st louis you don't want to be having to drop the gloves with that guy is one tough son of a bitch and i've gained in doing when i was covering central division hockey as nondescript of a seventh defenseman as you could have, a guy that kind of never gets to play all the games, not really going to impact the score sheet all that much. But as far as actual character guys and tough as nails, Robert Bertuzzo is like, that's his MO. And I've definitely seen cases where he's absolutely showing that. And in fact, I remember that they had a, there was a three on three overtime. And I think this is a year or two ago. Bertuzzo was one of the guys, and they get pinned in, or they they were shorthanded maybe as well in the three-on-three or something. So it was a four-on-three in overtime, Warren. So at last, like two minutes of it was a power play for the other team. Bertuzzo was out there with a couple other blues, and they don't get scored on. They basically forced it to go to a shootout, and those guys block shots, those guys... It was crazy insane. The three guys out there for St. Louis basically like blocked multiple shots, forced this game to a shootout. And I don't even remember if they won it or not, but I was like, that is this character guys and compete, which is what this all boils down to from GM Doug Armstrong's assessment. The compete to lose to Columbus, Chicago, then Detroit, who's missing injuries and, like I said, Perron suspended, that the compete that he's expecting from this team wasn't there. And that's the reason why Craig Berube, he's just like, it doesn't seem like the message is getting through and that's what he wants. Whether or not this is a good enough team to be a playoff team or not, when he did his post 
you know, firing. He just wants to see the fight, right? Them battling in the trenches, right? Having to fire in the belly, even if they yeah. lose kind of thing, right? He even mentioned fans coming to the game and getting their money's worth in the press conference. Although, and th- this might be the best part, is he also went because he took a lot of accountability for the roster that's in place in the case of the coach being fired. Although he did double down and say that he figures that it's a good enough team to be, even he had said, competing for third in the central, which I think is an overreach. But he absolutely thought that they should be a team that was going to be good enough to make the playoffs with the roster he gave this coach. That, I wonder, is debatable. But he also said something about him taking over as GM in St. Louis and at the moment of the press conference saying that the roster that was like, he basically said, I want to leave the franchise in a better place than what I found it. And then said, if I get hit by a bus or I get fired tomorrow, I'm not sure I left it in a better spot than I found it kind of is not a compliment to himself that he actually said on it, by the way, Warren, because you know, I like stats and facts and I got a sense of humor. I just wanted to look up. All right. What do you got on it? (laughs) <laughs> I, I just looked up the transit population ridership in the U.S. for cities over 100,000. St. Louis is 39th on the list, so it's about 9.4%. So the likelihood of them getting hit by a bus is pretty low. Having said that, the guys that need to worry about it is Ron Francis in Seattle because there's 20%. So there's definitely Seattle's got a lot of buses. And... The guy that should be most worried would actually be uh, Kyle Davidson in Chicago because they're in the top 10. GM's likely to get hit by buses. Kyle Davidson definitely has a higher percentage. What was the point of the thing? You're trying to say that Davidson should be next on the chopping block because, or like you're just saying, he should be the one worried about leaving a team in that bad state. No, Warren, GM Doug Armstrong said in his presser, if he gets hit by a bus... Yeah, that he'd be leaving his team in a worse position. Yeah. So I looked up statistically how many buses there are in these cities and then basically said that Davidson has more likely chance to get hit by a bus based on the data. Because there are more buses in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. Is that course. what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. That was the joke? Yeah, that's <laughs> I it. I just killed the joke by fucking explaining it over again. That's actually pretty fucking funny. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, dude. That's a great joke. Yeah, just, I'm like, I'm it took a I'm while bringing... to hit me. He's talking yeah. about crickets. That worked out perfectly. Yeah, just uh, just explaining it at a rock show. I just fucking now, if you were me, you'd be flipping me off. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like, I had to explain it. To God you, but... damn, man. You're like, I worked hard on this. I looked up how many buses go in each city to try to make a joke, make you laugh, and I get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, dude. My bad. Yeah. That's... And Ron Francis in Seattle also has a better chance getting hit by a bus than Doug Armstrong does in St. Louis. That was the point. Alrighty. St. Louis brings in Good stuff, but <laughs> Springfield Thunderbirds, American Hockey League affiliate head coach Drew Bannister. And he took Springfield to the Calder Cup final in 2022, meaning they lost in the final because they didn't win the Calder Cup. But he's been promoted and named interim coach indefinitely and a runner to get the head coaching job that is going to have a search that is going to take as long as 
GM Doug Armstrong wants. Dude, that intern thing always just grinds my gears a little bit. It's just such a weird thing to say. It's like, especially if you add indefinitely on that, he's going to be potentially a coach down the road. We don't know when we're going to make our decision, but just so you know, we're looking for somebody better. What a weird situation for that coach to walk into. It's like, you know, like now he's got to prove himself. And uh, I mean, you want to prove yourself no matter what. Right. But that's fucking weird. Don't you think like to be told you're going to be our practicing head coach for a while, but just so you know, we're going to be looking to replace you at any time. And we're not going to tell you how long that time period is or give any updates to the media. Yeah. Also just one day specifically. he's going to come into work and be like, well, thanks for helping us out the last three months, mm-hmm. but you're can now. And we're going to bring in this whoever guy, random guy. Yeah. And you, which you they may do. Back, you get to go back to the miners now, you know? Yeah. I would think that's probably what they would do is let him go back and be the AHL coach again. But in theory, they don't have to do that. But at the same time, this will be the first time Drew Bannister has been a head coach at the National Hockey League level, even if it's an interim tag. Yeah, so, so I guess worst case scenario, he's getting his feet wet, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. like uh, Scott Arneal with, with the Jets, right? Or before that, even, even getting a small amount of time as a head coach when he was in Columbus. It didn't yeah. work out, but getting that time, getting that experience, regardless, is good for you going forward. But the other thing, too, though, is that Doug Armstrong doesn't think that some certain candidates would have signed on for the rest of the year, right? So he couldn't just go, okay, do you want to be the interim coach for four months? And then we're going to, while we're doing a search and we'll consider keeping you on, which again comes back. This is all looping back to this roster that is GM Doug Armstrong's responsibility that simply isn't adequate enough, which again, When I look at St. Louis right now, and given they got their first win, a 4-2 home win over Ottawa with the new interim coach last night. Everybody beats Ottawa, though, that being said. The expectation is they should win that game. They're a 500 team. St. Louis 14-14-1, 29 points, minus 12 goal differential. St. Louis, to me, is one of the five teams that later on when we get to the podcast and talk about the records over nine-game stretches will be potentially one of the two teams that could make the playoffs as a wildcard team. But that's the ceiling for this team this year. Outside of the playoffs, but close to it. And they did, of course, have the four losses in a row because they were above 500 now they're just exactly where they are but i actually think their point total and where i thought they would be is better than my expectation at the beginning of the year it for sure was man you didn't have them in the playoff picture i know that for sure and i didn't either i keep referring to them like calgary and seattle who now based on the way they perform this year aren't really bubble teams they're the level below that and we'll bring that up. St. Louis is in this mix. The uh, interim thing makes sense is how the Jets did a while back. They had uh, Lowry take over. He was an assistant coach. And then you just, okay, now you're the head coach. We don't know going forward, but you're going to get a shot kind of thing. But that's just fucking weird to go to the minors, bring him up and replace him there. And then the assistant coaches, what, just continue to be assistant coaches of this guy that was in the minor leagues? 
Yeah, because none of the assistant coaches also have head coaching experience. And he figured his American Hockey League coach had head coaching experience to then get in front of the media instead of like assistant coach Steve Ott having to go and do the media stuff game by game. And Bannister did it at the American Hockey League level, did it at the Ontario Hockey League and all along his, he has a head coaching resume, even though it's not at the NHL level. And that explanation is actually brought up as to why it's not one of the assistant coaches because they haven't never been head coaches before. I guess everybody's got to get their shot though, right? So it's got to start. Somebody has to give you your shot. You've already been working at the NHL level. You already know all the players and have relationships with them more than that an American hockey league coach has, right? If you think about assistant coaches that St. Louis had that walked away, the prime example would be Boston's head coach right now. Did he win the coach of the year last year? Jim Montgomery? So. I don't recall, to be honest. You think they did because they were the president's trophy winners, right? They won the most games ever in the regular season, right? So yeah. he must have been. Jim Montgomery was an assistant in this timeline up until he was hired as the head coach in Boston when Cassidy was let go. He's now made Boston, well, at least in the regular season, like right now and last year, the like you said, NHL record. I always had imagined that that's who they would tap on the shoulder to replace Craig Berube, except they didn't, you know, like how Winnipeg does it with Scott O'Neill's listed as associate coach, not assistant coach. Some more new titles that the NHL does, right? Like you went through the list a couple. Well, no, it almost seems like a succession plan in the case of the Scott O'Neill hiring with the Rick Bonus hiring. And had St. Louis been smart, because again, same thing, right? Yeah, they would have. Yeah, when they brought on Jim Montgomery, they would have had him be in a succession plan. Now I don't know how you do that two years later, right? Because this is two seasons ago, right? So obviously they've got to let him go to be a head coach. So that's that's that. But yeah, this roster, which is Doug Armstrong's roster, to me isn't a playoff roster. So I don't know if Craig Ruby can get more out of these guys or Bannister can get more out of these guys. They shouldn't be losing to Columbus and Chicago. I get that or Detroit, but at the same time, I don't know. They're not going to. They're not going to beat consistently. Uh, Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, even Arizona. They're not going to consistently beat them. L.A., Vegas, Edmonton. Edmonton. They're not going to consistently beat them. Like it's not going to happen. They might beat bottom feeders like the Kraken and the Senators. The part that got Craig Berube fired is its bottom feeder losses. Yeah, right? for sure. That just accentuates or um, yeah, that's a good one. Right, yeah, the, accentuates accentuates you know, like the compete the compete level. Yeah, it's like <laughs> man, if you can't beat these scrub teams right now, if our losing streak consists of who did you have? It was uh, the Hawks. Yeah, Columbus, uh, Columbus, Detroit. and Detroit. I mean, maybe Detroit, you can give them a break, but even they they've been on they've been back and forth, up and down this year. Nah, man, that's that's a brutal three. And there was one other, wasn't it? Didn't you say it was losing four straight? First one was being doubled up by the Golden Knights, which that's well, all that's right. an that's an acceptable loss, yeah. Yeah. As well in this timeline, the demotion to Jacob Vrana on Monday. So first on Monday, it said Jacob Vrana's available in trade or could be waived. So the team couldn't even get that straight. There were rumors out there in 
whatever they call Twitter, um, that he was available for trade or he was going to be waived. Then he wasn't waived. But then Wednesday, he was put on waivers. He was unclaimed. And Thursday, he cleared waivers to be sent to AHL Springfield. But he's at a reduced salary from Troy kept like half the salary of his contract, but it was still worth 2.6 on the books. So the buried penalty right now, St. St. Louis is paying him $1.475 million to play for Springfield. That's the buried penalty against the cap for Verona. They got to be looking to move him then. You don't want to eat that for some guy in the minor leagues. Well, yeah, and at the again the presser for the firing of the coach, Verana was on, but that was the twenty four hour period. And again, GM Doug Armstrong was saying he hoped that a team picked him up. But when you're putting a guy on waivers, it's because he hasn't performed, and even at that fifty percent reduced, that's two point six million dollars for what was. Two goals, four assists, six points, and 19 games played for Jacob Vrana. That's not good numbers for that. That's not good value, that's for sure. But that And that's a guy who's put up some numbers in the past, like good goals per game ratio and shit. So but I can his, see somebody be interested. His last stop, he went into the players' assistance program in Detroit. He did a stint in the American Hockey League. They didn't even bring him back. Then they brought him up for what was a, a weekend of showcase games and sent him on his way while eating 50% of the original contract from the Detroit deal. Yeah, it's it's shit like that that you kind of got to redirect blame to, I would say, the GM. You know, he's <laughs> making some shitty decisions. They basically had, you know, grabbed Kasperi Kapanen off of waivers. They signed all the 30-plus defensemen to, like, long-term no move clause deals. They tried trading Tory Krug in the summer and he refused to trade. By the way, he would have been playing in Philadelphia. Who's a, <laughs> they're doing good. And their big off season acquisition was Kevin Hayes, who, by the way, if I'm going to throw some shade, he did get two goals in the loss in Detroit. Just to be clear on that. And Robert Thomas had two goals in the loss and Columbus had two goals and an assist in the win versus Ottawa about the bright spot on this roster right now would be actually Robert Thomas as near to a point per game player as St. Louis has right now this year. And I've, you know what I found interesting too, Warren is that one of the things we've talked about is that St. Louis has had really good goaltending from Jordan Bennington this year, like consistently. And yet the coach still got fired. That's roster construction because this firing isn't based on bad goaltending. That's what I think is probably something that is really interesting about this. Alrighty, Cairo. We got to do the Cairo and being booed at home. Okay, so Warren, the backstory on this is that after Barubi was fired, um, short of making no comment, Jordan Cairo basically said that he's not my coach anymore and then didn't provide comment, right? Well, it's acknowledging his play is probably contributing to the coach being fired and that's the only coach he's had in his nhl career if you recall that right because baruby's already in place the first year that kairu was there but then he got booed right at the beginning of the game when they announced the starting lineup on the pa system in st louis it seems, it seems so dumb to me it's like that's such a it's not even a 
huge. It's not like a, he's like did a slap in the face comment towards Berube or said it was about time or, you know, I'm looking forward to a new chapter, whatever, yada, yada, cliche kind of thing or anything like that. He said pretty minimal, uh, just not wanting to talk about it and get into it. He probably feels a little, sh- little shitty himself about, uh, oh, maybe, I don't know, because I thought I thought they didn't have a great relationship. That's what the word on the street was, wasn't it? Or is it just because this year he wasn't playing as well? It emanates even going back a few years. But last year, there was the game after Vancouver where Craig Berube postgame basically said, without naming the key players at the time, that they had no heart. It kind of drives me nuts how they, you know, it's like media or fans want somebody to be honest, but when they are honest with them, it's not enough. Or, you know what I mean? It's like uh, we were talking before, uh, before we got on here. And, and uh, it's like, what do you want him to say in that situation? You, you want him to get his pump the tires of his coach that just got fired and, and say he's going to miss him and uh, wish he could have been around for Christmas so they can exchange presents. Like what do they, you know, what do they want from, what do they want? Kyrie to say he's having a down year he's he's not happy right now uh who knows all the reasons behind it but he's not disclosing it he's not like dumping all his dirty laundry out there right that would be a shittier move if he did that he's just not going ahead and saying all these nice things about him who fucking cares man like why are you booing him the, the crowd have to pick sides and think that it's uh no comment just kind of saying how you feel about it like you know I don't have much to say about the situation. You know, he, he got fired. That's not my, that's not within my control. That's not my decision to make. What are you going to say that the GM made a bad decision that they wish they kept Ruby? Cause you know, you're signed to this team for the next seven years. You said, right? Like, I don't know. It's just a well, fucking years. situation. A, like that was a full eight year deal for both of them started this year. They expire 2031. Oh yeah. Whatever. Seven and a half. Cause we're, or seven and three quarters. However, you want to break it down. He's got a long time left at the Blues. I don't know. I just don't see where he goes with that. Is he like, is he not supposed to say? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think he should have said in that situation? What, like, how do you think the fans should have reacted to that? Like, why are they getting so defensive outside of the fact that Barube won a cup way back when? So they have the good feels for him. Like, but it's okay that you don't get along with your coach sometimes if you're not causing, if you're not causing a bunch of shit, you're not you know, skipping practice, you know, taking pictures, doing push-ups or something like that with, with money or something, stacks of money, you're not doing douchey shit like that. Like, I don't know. I think it's because he's sixth in goal scoring this year with five goals and getting paid $8 million. Like he becomes a lightning rod because of his salary. Because of his lack of production and for what he's getting paid. Fair enough. But like, was this the first time the Boo Birds came out for him or was it? So this yeah, is their I- chance. Yeah, it yeah. turns out that it pretty much is the first time he got booed at home. Yeah, so it feels like they're like the crowd's mad. Like you're like you're a big reason why Barube, who we do love because he was part of the coaching staff or he was the head coach, mm-hmm. the staff that won the cup. So we love him. We don't have as long of a relationship with you. You haven't brought us to the fucking promised land. You're supposed to be one of our best players. So how we're going to encourage you to do better is by booing the shit out of you and letting us know that we, how old is he? Like, he's a pretty young player still, is he not? 25. 25 years old. We're going to boo the shit out of you and hopefully that, you know, lights a fire under you. I don't know, man. I get it, I guess, to an extent, you know, like being frustrated. I just look at this roster and I don't think this is a playoff team. Like, Robert Thomas has had a great year. Jordan Bennington's played good in that. Like, Thomas leads a the team in scoring with 12 goals he's an assist first guy yet he's got 12 goals it's near more even than any 
point in his career. Yeah, but who else do they have? Point per game players. Who else they got? Like that's there are good players on the Blues that you can name off the top of your head that are in Pavel Buchnevich, who probably that's what I just said. Yep, Buchnevich. Right, like he's a solid player. Fine, but he missed some time. Right, Braden Shen for a little bit. Braden Shen, sure. Yeah, and a couple other guys. You know what? I like Jake Neighbors, the the young twenty one year old. Now he moves. He moved to the third line from the first line, and yet he was tied for second with Bushnevich for goals, but they moved Kairou up with Thomas and Bushnevich again last night. That was a move the interim coach did. And then I like Oscar Sundquist as a bottom six player, but I just named you what I like about the bottom six in St. Louis with one player. Yeah, and I think if you were to go through the playoff teams or expected playoff teams, you'd be able to name more than six players on the team. You know? Of the forwards. The defense is way too old, too slow. Not because usually crazy. those teams have good bottom six players that other teams would like on their team, right? Yeah, and the only defenseman on this team, if I was building a roster, would be Colton Pareko. That's it. I have yeah. no use for Nick Letty, Tori Krug, Justin Falk, Marco Scandella, or any of the guys coming up. I'm interested about Scott Perunovic because he's a young, up and coming guy. The problem St. Louis has is he needs to slot exactly where Tori Krug is, except Tori Krug isn't going anywhere. Yeah, what what wins championships there, Tim? <laughs> I should know this. Ed. What wins championships, bro? Defense wins championships. Yeah, That's you need to have some solid D to win championships, right? Even yeah. to be a good playoff team and a contender, you have to have pretty solid. At worst, you have to have average D, and that's if you have phenomenal offense and a goaltending standing on his head. Usually, you have to have above average D. Yeah. So that departed. Like we we talked about this before because that cup winning team, the yeah, only defense, yeah, the now retired Jay Bowmeister. and their core players, their their number one uh, game breaker in Tarasenko. Goes out the door, O'Reilly. They're loyal and hardworking. Like the dude that's the glue to the team. They let go, and he's have he's been playing phenomenally. Obviously, he didn't he wasn't unreal in Toronto, but he's playing really good for Nashville this year. So still, he's still got game, right? Yeah, the power play was better with David Perron on it, with O'Reilly yeah. setting him up. Like the troubles with the power play correlate with Perron not being resigned. It's a big deal. He was their guy. That was better when Petro was quarterbacking it. And, and these aren't decisions uh, that any player makes. You know, they don't decide the lines, and the coaches can only play the players that the, the GM gives them. Yep. So the likely final scenario on this is what's the timeline before Doug Armstrong loses his job? Because that's probably where that, that clock's next. ticking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like if you think of GMs in the league right now. Most of the guys are younger guys, right? Are newly to the job, right? Of the bottom feeders, right? In the Western Conference, like I can think of Yermo Kakalainen and Columbus's GM in the East, but just sticking with the Western Conference, Kyle Davidson is what in year three as GM in Chicago on a rebuild. Anaheim's got a new GM. San Jose's got a new GM. Calgary has a new GM, right? They switched that this year. So of the other teams, Nashville's got a new GM. Like, who else would it be? Ron Francis in Seattle would be my second guess. And Ken Holland, who is like really like the, you know, regional assistant <laughs> manager, right? <laughs> assistant, regional assistant GM. 
<laughs> to the real GM in Edmonton. That reminds me again of The Office, right? Well, yeah, so, that's where I wanted to go with that. It's yeah, like with, with they, Dwight being the Dwight. The, Ken Holland is the Dwight of the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> it's a title, but it's really, it's not really the power anymore. Just a reminder, the rest of the regular weekly Sharpshooters episode is going to drop tomorrow. And for St. Louis fans, just want to let you know, around the time that we're talking about Edmonton, we do talk about what would it require for Jordan Bennington to be traded to Edmonton and whether both teams would be interested in making that deal. 